We are really blessed, aren't we? Have a Savior who would do that for us. After what we've done. Didn't stop him. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we started going to church. Not after we started learning Bible verses. Not after we started giving offerings or learning prayers or any of those things, doing good things for people, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Praise his name. Let's, uh, let's look in his word to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And I know some of you are getting irritated with me for continuing to use this, um, this graphic, 2020 and 2020. Enough already with 2020. But I'm sorry, it's still 2020, and we've got some 2020 vision to acquire or to be reminded of concerning the things of this world, concerning the things of God, concerning the things of eternal glory. And this morning, we want to look at how we can have 2020 vision um, concerning our dough, um, our cash, our stuff. And uh, Jesus, Jesus... Um, gives this parable, and it's, the, it's one of the most peculiar of all the parables. Um, and remember that parables, they're very misunderstood by people. So many times you've heard, you've heard people say that God gave us parables to explain the gospel in, simple, in a simple story format. That is absolutely 100% wrong, okay? I know you've heard that before, but it's wrong. He spoke in parables as a judgment against Israel because they weren't worthy because of their sinfulness, because of their their ancient and continuing rebellion against him. Isaiah said that the Messiah was going to speak in parables as a judgment. And Jesus reiterated that in Matthew 13. And so parables weren't so that they could understand it more They were given so that only those who had ears to hear and eyes to see would get it. Even the disciples, after he he got done, they'd they'd often come to him and say, huh? And then he'd explain it. Well, thank thank him, we have it, and we can huh together and have ears to hear and eyes to see what he's saying. Because in this particular parable, like he does in some others, he uses some some very sinful, you know, worldly kind of stuff um, to, to teach us what he's doing uh, with eternal things. And so let's read the parable. Luke 16, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called each one of his master's debtors called them in. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 
800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth. Some versions translate this filthy lucre. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I'm going to reread that last verse because that's the key to it all. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The guy lost his job. He wasn't doing a good job. He deserved to lose it. He lost it. And when he found out, when he realized what was going down, and he wasn't going to be getting it back, he decided he would do something to help himself out later on. He figures the guy that he changes his debt from 1,000 bushels to 800 or so on and so forth, that that person, when he knocked on their door one of these days, and said, hey, uh, how's it going? Oh, do I, what do I smell? Oh, boy, that smells good. Oh, you want me to come in for supper? Sure, I'll be glad to come in. Where am I going after tonight? I don't really know, but you got an extra room? Great, fantastic. And, so, and he was expecting that he was going to count on his shrewdness, his, his good quick thinking, to take care of himself for a while, maybe for a long while. Because people appreciate when you reduce their bills, when, when you cut their expenses. They appreciate that. So Jesus uses this parable to tell us something, to give us some 2020 vision on what we ought to be doing with our worldly wealth, with what we have. And I want you to know something. I'm not bringing this subject up today because we're about ready to pull the plug here at Midway Community Church. And, and, you've, and if you don't, if the offering's not really good today, we might not be able to make it next week, okay? I'm not saying that at all. In fact, praise God. You guys gave us a gift today. Because we have it. It's an example. God's been blessing us even through this this crazy thing that we're going through. And we're, you know, we can't forget about it. We want to, but here we are sitting separated from each other, you know, wearing masks and and all these kind of things. In the middle of all of this, God has been faithful to this body with jobs and resources that you've been faithful to give and to share with this body so that we can continue to, to... carry on with our ministries here. I and the rest of the staff, all of us, we haven't missed a single paycheck. 
We didn't get our, our salaries reduced. We even, as you saw this morning, you even gave us a gift out of the resources that God is bringing in. Do you know what a blessing it has been for our mission partners to, to receive our full support, just like we've been doing all these years, to continue that through this time? Because not all the churches, not all the supporters that they have have been able to do that. But we've been able to continue on with our full support. Praise God. And so the reason I'm bringing this to you isn't because if you don't, we're going to pull the plug. And I'm using that from an old Oral Roberts illustration because that was something he said one time when he was about ready to have to pull the plug on all the worldwide ministries that he was doing if they didn't have a good month of giving. We've, we don't say that. That's not why we give. That's not what it's about. Oh, praise God, he provides for us. And those of us who live off of that, that provision, praise him even more. We're very thankful. But that's still not what giving is about. And so I mentioned these things this morning to have 2020 vision on how God views our money so that we will all participate in what he's talking about, so that we'll all be recipients of the rewards that he plans on giving to all of us who give. Remember what he says. Use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. You know, there's coming a day that all of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be entering into glory. And we, you know, we don't like to think about that a lot. But, it's, but we should, because it's a great thing. And it's all bought for us by our Savior that we were just singing about. He did it all. No amount of money that we give, no amount of good works that we do can add one single bit to what Christ has done for us to give us eternal life. That's all what he did for us. But he also says throughout the New Testament that the way that we live our lives in this life, once we put our trust in Christ is going to impact the kinds of rewards that he gives us when we enter into glory. As we saw him pictured on the mercy seat, as we were singing one of the songs earlier this morning, which is a picture of the, of the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant, where the, where the angels had their, their wings spread forward to each other, and that was the mercy seat of God that, that was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. And that was, that was the place where God resided and presided over Israel. There's also another seat that's described in the New Testament from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is the judgment seat of Christ, where he is going to, at that point, give to all of us the rewards that are due us for the things that we've done while living in this body. And that is given to us as a, as a motivation to serve, but also as an example that we are going to continue to give him glory even as we enter into his glory because he's going to be glorified as he gives us the rewards that he's prepared for us. Just like a parent loves to give an obedient child rewards, sometimes and most of the time that reward means more to the parent than it does to the child receiving the reward. Because we're so excited, we're so thankful, we're so blessed 
to have a child that will obey, that will do the right thing, that will, that will go above and beyond, and, and those kind of things. The parent is glorified in the giving of that gift to the child. And so a lot of people think, well, you know, I don't, I don't really care about rewards. I'm just so I get in, that's all I care about. That isn't all we should care about. We should care about this, this, these rewards because God cares about them. Because God wants to do it. He's looking forward to that day when he's able to give to us that which we've deserved for the things that we've done while living in this body. And again, it's not going to take anything away from the grace that he's expressed to us through Christ. It takes nothing away from that. But he desires to reward us. And one of the things, one of the ways that he's going to reward us is going to be based on our giving. That's what he's talking about when he says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Our worldly wealth is going to be gone. It's a guarantee. You've all, we've all heard the expression, you can't take it with you. There's one way you can take it with you. There's one way you can take it with you. If you invest it in people who are going to be there, you can take it with you. There's coming a day, and I can't wait for this, because we have no idea the extent and the scope that, that our gifts, that our, that, our, that our offerings have. But there's coming a day when we're going to understand that scope. We're going to enter into glory, and we're going to be welcomed into somebody's mansion. And they're going to be so excited to see us, and we're going to say, I don't think I know you. No, you don't know me yet, but I know Christ because of you and the others who gave. We have a, I'll use this as an example. There's coming a day when... There's going that when when those of us who give here here at Midway, specifically, we're going to be welcomed in to the eternal home of a person who, while they lived in this world, was living in Fiji and was deaf. They're going to welcome you in. They're going to tell you their story. And they're going to tell you how your giving helped them get a Bible in sign language so they could hear the gospel and understand it and receive Christ. And that's just one example. It's going to go on and on. Most of it, we have no idea what's going on. Because as we give, we don't, we don't have you know, daily reports or monthly reports. We, we keep up with things. We read the, the, the prayer requests and the, and, the, and the praise reports that our missionaries send us and all those kind of things. All of that stuff is exciting for more than today. It's exciting because it's going to last forever. Forever. We have a hard, a hard time dealing with that concept. But it's going to last Forever. Look what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. Turn with me there in your New Testament. Philippians chapter 4. 
Here the Apostle Paul shares the same concept in a, in a different way. Paul, in, in uh, verse 10, he's, um, he's he, in the middle of this, or toward the end of this letter to the Philippians, he's reminding them of how much he appreciates their support, their financial support. They'd given offerings, and, the, and, and some of the offerings that they'd given in their church in Philippi went to the support of the Apostle Paul. And so in, in saying thank you, listen to what he says. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He, he had sent Epaphroditus um, to, to go visit them. And then Epaphroditus went back to, to Paul. And when he went back to him, he brought, he brought the offering that they gave. So they had the opportunity. They expressed their their concern for him by giving of their, their finances. He said, I am not saying this because I am in need. So understand that. I'm going to pause here just for a second. Remember this. The giving is not about the need. The giving meets needs, but it's not about the need. And Paul's saying it, and he means it. He said, I'm not saying that this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Here's where that verse comes from. The ability... To be content in every circumstance. So Paul's saying, I'm not commending you for this gift because of my need. Now, now he explains what he's commending him for. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church, church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift. There it is again. It's not about the need. It says, not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Do you hear that? There's an account. There is an account. I remember when I was a kid, do you guys remember bank books? You remember that, that whole concept, going there and getting it stamped and you know, and all that? There's a bank book in glory. And the Philippians were having their book stamped in glory when they sent those gifts to the Apostle Paul when he was in Macedonia. And on and on and on it went. And on and on and on it's been going ever since for all of us who give. And so the message this morning is about being thankful for the way God's provided and, 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 the, and the way that people have given here at Midway. Praise God. It's about being excited about the rewards that God is preparing for us 
for all eternity. And it's not just through our giving, but that's one of the ways, and that's what we're talking about this morning. But it's also to encourage any who haven't yet started doing this. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't think that by not giving, you're somehow able to have more money for yourself. Look what Paul says as he continues this. He says, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Philippians weren't just rolling it in the dough when they gave. In fact, the Corinthians, he says in 2 Corinthians 8, and I'll encourage you to read that um, at a later point. When he's talking to the Corinthians, he commends them for giving out of their poverty. They were having a real rough time, but they were still giving. And you know why that didn't bother you, the Apostle Paul? It's because he knew that God was going to meet all of their needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But he was concerned for them that even though they, they may have been poor, he didn't want them to miss out on accumulating in their account in glory. Let's none of us miss out on that. And some of us, sometimes we think the way things are, think, I, 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 I don't know if I can do that. It's too tight. It's too scary. And, you know, God realizes when you give, he realizes it's a sacrifice. Did you hear the way that, that Paul put it here? He says it's a pleasing aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. He knows it's a sacrifice. He knows whenever you give something to his work that you're not using it on yourself or your family. He knows that. He knows it's not going into your European piggy bank. He knows it's a sacrifice. But he also knows that where it's being credited is better than what you were planning on using it on. It's going to have more and longer-lasting impact. And we want that account in glory to build. Well, the prophet Malachi, we won't turn to it right now, as our time's almost up. But the prophet Malachi, when he, was, when he found out about the way that the Israelites, this is in chapter 3 of Malachi, you can read later, he found out that the Israelites were robbing God. And they said, What? Robbing God. How are we robbing God? He said, with your tithes and your offerings, you stopped giving. Times got tough, and you stopped giving. He said, that's robbery to God? And in fact, it's robbery to yourselves. It was robbery to Israel. They were, they were, God still had plenty. God doesn't need our money. That's why, again, this isn't about the need. This is about the concept. This is about the way that he's growing us in our faith. He wants us to be looking ahead. He wants us to be looking for eternity. 
if 2020 hasn't taught us anything else, it's that this is a bad, bad place that we're living in. And if this election hasn't taught us anything, and this, and this season of, of unrest hasn't taught us anything, this bad place is filled with a lot of bad, bad people, including us. And we're supposed to be looking beyond it. We're supposed to be looking at what we can do in this world to prepare us and others for what is coming next. And if we'll invest our resources, our worldly wealth, again, as the King James puts it, I think, our filthy lucre. Because worshiping money is a bad thing. It's not worthy of our worship. It comes and it goes. And it never satisfies like we thought it was going to. It's not worthy of our worship. It ruins lives when we start to worship it. But when we use it, when we invest it well, not only does it bring us joy in the giving, as it says again in 2 Corinthians, that he wants us to be joy, cheerful givers. Not only is there joy in the giving, but there's going to be great joy in the receiving of what that account is accumulating and building up to in glory when he decides how he's going to reward us for the things that we've done in this life. And so, let me encourage you this morning. Have a 2020 view of your money, of your stuff, of your dough, of your accounts, of your portfolios. Have a 2020 view of Look at it like God looks at it. And view it from the perspective of eternity. Don't let this world interfere with what God has planned for your eternity. And use what God has given you. And trust him as you give Trust him that he will keep his word and provide all that you need to continue to serve him and to honor him with the life that he's given you. Trust him for that. And look forward to that day. And and I think it's going to be many days. You know, eternity is a long time. And and we're going to see the wide scope of the ministries that we've been a part of, even as this church, as, as Midway Community Church, we're going we're gonna to be amazed at the scope and the number of dinners that we're going to be going to at people's houses. And we're never going to get tired of it. And we're going to be hosting those dinners too for the people that invested in us. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing to welcome people into our eternal dwellings and be welcomed into theirs because of the way that God has connected us through our giving while we had the opportunity. Remember, our giving has no impact on whether or not we're going to be going to to be with God forever. Has no impact on whether our sins are going to be forgiven or not. That is all put on Jesus Christ and the work that he did for us on the cross. Absolutely 100%. But as Believers in Jesus, people with a guaranteed eternal home, 
He wants us to live life in view of where we're going. And one of the ways that we can be prepared for that day at the judgment seat of Christ is by our 2020 vision and obedience to that vision of giving to his work. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're here this morning because a lot of people gave. Before this church ever existed as a body or as a place, people were giving, making sacrifices, giving up their own use of that money to let you do something eternal with it. And as a result, we came to Christ. We became a part of this body. We've seen you work here in our own community, in our own families, and around the world. And we have only seen a glimpse of what's really happened. We thank you for revealing to us from your word deeper insight into what's really happening. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Philippi and Corinth who were such great examples of people who had a 2020 view of giving. We thank you for the Lord Jesus in sharing the parable and for the Apostle Paul under your inspiration sharing with us about this account that exists in glory. And we thank you that as we give, that you credit it to our accounts. Help us to look forward. Instead of dreading, help us to look forward to that day when we see you face to face. Help us to walk in the assurance that our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, if we don't have that assurance this morning, we pray that you would give us faith, give us the wisdom to put our trust in Jesus so that we can fully be assured that we have an eternal home with you. That's so hard for us because we know how we've sinned and how we've rebelled against you. Father, help us to understand that the moment we put our trust in Jesus, all of our sins are gone and we have complete and total reasons for being assured that we're going to spend eternity with you in spite of our sins, because Jesus died to forgive us. Jesus rose to give us resurrection life, the promise that we will spend eternity with you. Help us to believe that so that we can live this life, not in fear of what's coming, but with eager anticipation of our Lord's return. Father, we pray that you would send Jesus quickly. But in the meantime, help us to live for your glory. Help us to give for your glory. We thank you for the way that you are providing for us here at Midway. We as a ministerial staff thank you for this gift that we've received today. Out of that abundance, we praise you for it. We thank you for it. But more than the results of the gifts, Father. We pray that you would move in all of our hearts 
in all of our minds to be givers no matter what our circumstances. That we would be investing regularly in the eternal lives of others. And we pray these things with thankful hearts, looking forward to what you're doing for us. In Jesus' name, amen.